Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast brought to you by Unibridge. I'm Yuncheng, your host for today. In our last episode, we spoke with Li Zhi, a second-year economics student at the University of Cambridge, and left off with his experience with the Cambridge interview. So without further ado, let's hear what he has to share about this topic. Let's go. Actually, I think another very important part of the whole Oxbridge application process right, is the, the interview, right, which is so many people fear. <laughs> so how do you approach that interview? Like, what kind of questions did they ask that made you made you feel like oh wow what, what kind of question was that and how do you like approach the whole situation because i'm sure they ask really tough questions right yeah so i think for um for cambridge you have uh, okay i think for both universities you have two choices uh, you can either choose to fly to um, oxbridge in december and have the interview in person in the college that you choose alternatively you can um be interviewed in Singapore, that would be a lot earlier. That would definitely be before the A-levels. So for me, I took my interview in Singapore in October. So it was just a half an hour interview with two math game theory questions. Yep, and I know nothing about game theory at the point of time. It's, but um, bear in mind that even though those are kind of related to econs, they will not require you to read um, beyond. So they will give you everything that you need, all the information that you need. You just have to think on the spot and derive um, at the answer. And I think the questions, some of them, they are very interesting. Um, so for example, my one of my questions was that I was asked to play a game with the interviewer and just after the game, explain to him my strategy. Uh, some of my other friends, they have those very uh, traditional math questions, like, you know, draw, they give you a um, specific equation and mm-hmm. you on the spot, you have to draw a graph based on the equation that they give. And the equation is not um, that straightforward as well. So the whole point of it is that they want to see whether you can um, think on the spot, whether you can think fast. And that pretty much reflects the whole rigor of the supervision that I mentioned earlier, you know, because they want you to actively participate in the, uh, in the conversation. So one advice I will give is that don't treat it as an interview. Treat it as an opportunity to discuss with the interviewer in a sense that sometimes when the interviewer say say something like if it, the interviewer correct you and if you don't understand why don't just sit there and say that oh okay okay I, yeah i understand rather just go and tell him just go and ask him so why why how do you derive this answer why why is, is my answer different from yours just things like that mm-hmm. those will leave a very good impression on the interviewer so actually so they're actually trying to kind of gauge whether you will be a good fit for Cambridge, right? With their whole supervising system and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not about how much you know, but rather how teachable you are. Yeah, I think the keyword is uh-huh. teachable. Okay, okay, I see, I see. So they will just, they will guide you through the whole process. It will be a conversation, a dialogue, where, you know, you you, you share your thoughts, your, your questions, your understanding of the issue, and then derive to a kind of like a reasonable conclusion at the end, lah. Um, yeah, uh, interesting. And also, and also, um, one thing that you have to take note is that you have to articulate your thought process. So, mm-hmm. for example, when you are doing all the the math questions, all those, you, you have to say it out your thought process so that your interviewer knows what you're thinking, and they can, and they can point out any errors if you ever made one, and that will make this whole process a lot smoother. I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. So, okay, now that we are done with the Cambridge application process, I, I'm sure I, I didn't miss out any part, other part of the Cambridge application process, right? It's just the essay. Yeah. And the... yeah. Okay, so... Oh, I think um, that's also, the, oh, I... That's also the, um, the admission test. Oh, yes, the admissions test. Like, how can I forget that? What, so what, what was that about? 
So the admission test, there are three parts. First part is more of like logical thinking questions, like you know those typical IQ questions. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's to spot the patterns. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they are, uh-huh. they are, they are, they can get really interesting. Then for the second mm-hmm. part of it is math. Yeah, so math. If you take H two math, they should be pretty straightforward. You just have to make sure that you can work it out under the, um, under the time constraint. Then the third part is a mini essay. Yeah, so you still have the right uh-huh. essay. So it's a forty minutes, um, essay essay question. I think the essays are very straightforward. So it's not um, definitely not um those type of three questions that you see in your prelim or A level papers. Yeah, so um all those I think all those they are quite they should be quite manageable. Um Wait, are the is the admission test different for like the the different courses that you want to apply for? Yeah, so every the, every course has their own um every course has their own um entrance exam. Yeah. Oh okay, okay, I see, I see. Oh I see. Well but you know, you made it through the, to the other side. So that's that's amazing, right? Um, but I guess now we can, you know, skip this. I mean, we, we can end the top, end this um, application process topic here and maybe talk about something that's more interesting, which is your current school life, right? <laughs> like, I'm sure, you know, you mentioned just now about, you know, how tough the academics can be. You mentioned about how uh, rigorous um, and, you know, but how the, the whole supervising system has helped you a lot. But what about your um, school, other school activities, for example? So how, what kind of acti- activities are you part of in uh, on campus? And how diverse uh, would you say like the, the, the school activities are within Cambridge? Yeah, so there are actually a lot of activities, a lot of um, CCAs in um, Cambridge really all kinds that you can think of. So for me, I'm um, I'm currently representing the university in Ultimate Frisbee. So um, mm-hmm. I go for, um, um, before, the, be, before the pandemic, I go for <laughs> trainings quite often, but now uh, everything has been changed into, um, you know, just online gym sessions that we just gather together um, on Zoom. So, um, and apart from that, I'm, I'm also a part of the, the team for the Cambridge University Southeast Asian Society. So, I mean the research team. I'm um mainly involved in, you know, doing some of the um writing articles based on the contemporary um events that's going on in um Southeast Asia, and I'm also in charge of a monthly newsletter that's mainly to update the Cambridge community about what some of the events that's happening in Southeast Asia. So it's actually pretty interesting. And beyond that, I've also been a member of the consulting society. We call it the Cambridge Consulting Network. So we'll actually be working on real projects with corporates and helping them to solve some of their business issues. So as you can see, based on just from the activities that uh, I was involved in, you can see there's actually a very wide spectrum of activities that you can participate in from those cultural ones, from those sports um, to performing arts. So I think that the choices are there for you. I think for most people, it's really about finding the time to commit to those activities. Yeah, but I think most of us, um, most of us, the friends around me, we have no problem committing to to both the ACADs as well as the um, CCAs. Yeah. But well, wow, that's quite a heavy load of activities. Eh? Like what? One, two, three major activities, right? Correct. So how do you how do you manage to find time like is it like for example your commitment with the southeast asian society or the consulting network is it like a weekly thing like your frisbee yeah so frisbee consulting network projects those will be quite intense it will be a weekly thing mm. so 
for the, the Southeast Asian society, I would say that the workload would be quite irregular throughout the term. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there will be, it will be quite heavy, but in other times there's nothing much to do. <laughs> but I think that also goes down to time management. So for your ACADs, you sometimes you, you have to strike a balance between, you know, just once you cover the topic, do you actually go and read the textbooks? So for most of us who are committing to a lot of extracurricular activities, we would just, you know, study the minimum for each of the papers and just so that we can do the assignments. Mm-hmm. Then we will leave the rest of the revisions, like reading the textbooks to the holiday. Mm-hmm. Then that will give us a lot more time to study. But of course, there are people, there, there will definitely be a lot of people in Cambridge who, you know, once they go through the lecture, they'll just go straight into like the supplementary readings. So for those people, they'll definitely have a lot less time. So it depends on, it's a give and take. Wait, actually, I think you mentioned quite an interesting point. You talked about assignments, right? So are there like exams for every single term or is it just mainly assignments and one big exam at the end? Um, it's pretty much like, I would say um, every year is an A-level. <laughs> <laughs> so uh-huh. so you only have one exam at the end of, and in early June, uh-huh. that will decide like your overall grade. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there will usually be like uh, one month to two months before that for you to study so if you think about it it's mm-hmm. actually exactly like a levels <laughs> so like basically you're just doing doing assignments prepping up like for close to a year and then you sit for that yeah exam in june but i think for other universities they have the the midterm they have the mid-year exams yeah so mm-hmm. i think it's just cambridge is one of the exceptions so cambridge and oxford right yeah. just these two uh-huh i see i see so I guess the next thing that we can talk about is your internships. Because I'm looking at your internships on LinkedIn. And honestly, it's quite crazy. <laughs> like, you you interned with Singtel. Then um, this strategy consulting company, uh, Bloomberg, Vibranium Holdings as an investment analyst. And then Daven Hill Partners, merger and acquisition analyst. So you have like, what? One, two three, four, five, five internships in the span of, what, two years? <laughs> That's crazy. How do you manage to, you know, um, find time to juggle your internships and your um, uh, and your activities concurrently? And also, right, another, I guess another follow-up question to that would be, did you get some of your, these internships, like, by leveraging some of the connections that you got from your consulting network, consulting club thingy? Right, so I think... For me, one of the key reasons why I was able to do so many internships is partly because of the pandemic. Um, so uh-huh. yeah, la- because uh-huh. last year my first year exams are uh, completely cancelled. So technically my oh, cancelled. Yeah, so technically my term was I mean my entire uh-huh. school year was over on last April. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think before, but before I go into like how I managed to find those jobs. I would say that I think that I can give one advice to everyone is that to really network, to build on your network. And that's because I realized how little networks I have when I was actually applying to jobs. For example, back in last year, April, after I knew that there would not be any exams, I was actively trying to find internships. So I was looking out for all the career websites, looking for all the small companies to co-mail. And I realized that it's actually a very tedious process, especially when you don't really know anyone in the industry. Mm. But I think... I sent like around 100, I would say around 100 
cold mails to different companies and yeah and it was i would say that some sometimes it can get very demoralizing because you know you manage to pass the first round of interview or the assessment they manage to pass the second round and you fail at the round so you are back to square one mm-hmm. and i think after going through all those i was very glad that i managed to secure two internships one as a strategy consultant at one of the startup as well as um yeah the investment analyst internship and i think those really gave me the exposure to the two industries because at that point of time, I was actually still undecided about whether to go into, you know, the finance side or the consulting side. Yeah, I really learned a lot from those two internships and I realized that I really enjoyed them. That's why I went on to take up a part-time internship right now because I had a lot, a lot more time. So that's with the David Hill partners. And I think it's really just about trying to experience what it is like. Mm-hmm. Because once you go into, once you actually graduate, once you actually start, uh, working, you you will get a lot harder for you to move across industries. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want myself to regret when I look back at where I am now, um, five years later. So that's why I try to keep my, I try to get, um, get more exposure through internships. Yep, and uh, and for this coming summer, I will also be trying out sales and trading for my summer internship in Hong Kong. So hopefully, I'll be able to go there in person. Oh, mm-hmm. sales and trading. Yeah. Okay, okay, I see. That's that's amazing. Wow. Dude, you are you have so many different activities and <laughs> I, I love how you like right at the start of the of the podcast you were like, Oh my god, the the coursework is very vigorous. <laughs> there are a lot of assignments. And then looking at like how many different activities you have and the number of internships, that is insane, bro. <laughs> I think I think it's really about uh, you know, really understand what you're doing at each phase of your at each phase of the year so for example when it's during the term time you really really have to study mm. but once it's um once you get into the holidays then just set studies aside and because you have really been doing that for the past year mm. and you know just build on your extracurricular activities and your portfolio yes, yes, yeah yes. your portfolio see so it's really down to like good uh, time management uh, you would say yeah mm-hmm, i see i see yeah, and you know, you mentioned a very interesting topic, which is about um, networking, right? How would you, you know, tell someone who's completely new to networking, what networking is? And like, how would you kind of increase your network, I guess, in university? Um, I would say that I'm pretty new to it as well, because I've only started networking quite recently, but it's always good mm-hmm. to start early. I think having a LinkedIn account is definitely very useful. Um, go online, look at some of the companies, some of the industries that you're interested in. Then perhaps just go mm-hmm. into, you know, the um, you, they usually show the list of like employees. Just go in, find someone, perhaps with like common interests as you or from the same JC. Then just can send a message. Um, send a message telling you that, uh, telling him that, hey, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I'm currently waiting to enter university and I just want to get a sense of how it's like to work in this industry. It will help a lot with my career planning. So things like that, it's very easy to strike a conversation. Then just prepare a good list of questions and try to maintain this relationship. A lot of times, some of my friends, they actually went they actually went back to the people that they, they networked with previously to ask for an internship. And many of them actually received an internship. So not trying to say that, uh, you know, you, you, you must network because so as to benefit you. But I would say that the benefit that comes along with it is just an additional advantage to networking. But I think more importantly, it's really a, it really expands your horizon and explore all the industries that you're interested in to help with your decision making. Actually, now that you mentioned it, right, um, I think one insight that I have gotten 
recently as I you know network with more people on LinkedIn is that it's really interesting to learn more about other people's lives like how they have been through their career why they have made certain decisions how is the industry like all of these insights that you don't usually find online I guess like some of these insights you can really only get by hearing the unique stories of these individuals that so that's why you know Looking back at it, I, I I guess we shouldn't be just looking at networking as a pure, like from a purely, how should I put it, like a profit standpoint where, you know, I'm networking so as to get internship. I'm networking so that I can, you know, make more money in the future. It's more about self-discovery that's right. during the process as yeah. well. Yeah. So actually, right, I guess that's a, that's quite a good point to end our conversation today. So any like final words you want to share with our audience about, you know, be it studying in Cambridge, studying in the UK, and just some final words to some of our audiences who might be, you know, at this crossroad, choosing whether to go overseas or not, UK or US, things like that. Yeah, okay. So I think for those of you who are listening to the podcast, many of you are perhaps just waiting to enter university or um, you are currently in your NS. So I think I would say that I have three advice for, for everyone here. First is that use this free time, be it during your NS or this period of holiday before your school starts, to really figure out what you want to do. And that will make the whole job finding, job seeking process in the future a lot smoother because you are able to build your, you know, your, for example, your CV, your portfolio based on your future career goals. So that's the first advice. The second one is to um, learn some new skills. It can be those like cognitive skills or economic skills like coding. Uh, yeah, and, and I think coding is really important. One you will mm-hmm. you understand why once you uh, once you come uh, once you <laughs> enter university. Or you can also be other new skills like for example perhaps uh, pick up playing guitar, pick up new sports and so on. Just to you know just because you don't really you may not be able to have this amount of free time ever again once you enter university and going beyond. And the last advice for everyone is I think is the last point that, that I mentioned, um, is to really network. Just don't be afraid of getting rejected by people because you know they, they think that you are too young, you don't know what's actually going on, and they won't want to waste time to talk to you. That's not the case. A lot of people, they are very willing to talk to the younger generation mm-hmm. to um, give them advice. Yep, so I think these three advice pretty much sums up this Great. whole conversation. Great. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights. I'm sure, you know, to many of our audience today, Especially if you are someone who is looking to study econs in the UK, I'm sure this episode would give you some interesting insights, right? Um, to kind of make that final decision. And if you you guys would like to hear more of these stories, um, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our Unibridge community on Telegram. You can find the link to our Telegram group on our Instagram page at unibridge underscore SG. So be sure to give us a follow. Uh, thank you so much, Li Chi, and we'll see you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye!